What is a man? That's the question for today's podcast. Wherever we look today, we'll see on mainstream media or on social media, people identifying as women. We'll see biological males identifying as women. Now, if that's how somebody wants to live their life, that's entirely up to them. I have no problem with that whatsoever. It's their life. They can do what they like. But a couple of things come from that which I think need to be considered. Firstly, these are biologically, genetically male. They may choose to live as if a female, live the life of a woman, whatever a life of a woman is. My problem comes when they start to do things like insist on being able to use women-only spaces, for example, women's toilets, women's changing rooms, and even going to a woman's prison, particularly in one recent case where the biological male had been found guilty of raping two women and then decided to identify as a woman so that they could go to a woman's prison. Now, clearly, that's just absolute nonsense, and fortunately, the law saw straight through that good sense and sent the biological male, now identifying as a woman, to a man's prison for some considerable time, which is a good thing. I also have a problem when biological males want to compete against biological females on a level footing, particularly in athletic sports, where their life growing up as a biological male has given them advantages. So, for example, if it's a track and field or uh, some form of wrestling, for example, or boxing, there's clearly something wrong in allowing a biological male to compete on level terms with a biological female irrespective of whether or not they identify as a woman. And in fact, if you ask these people that are identifying as women or the people that are supporting them to then define what a woman is, they can't do it. Because what is a woman? If you say to a woman, what is a woman? They they won't be able to answer it because it's something which is indefinable. That said, today... I'm going to have a go at trying to define some traits and characteristics that make a man rather than a woman. So, my name's Stephen Hooper. I run the 22plusy.com blog. It's a website for men. Nothing to stop women reading it. I have no problem with who reads it. Um, But it's written with men in mind, and it's written by men. So it's a by men, for men blog, fundamentally. And so this is the first podcast in the new series of 22plusy.com podcasts. It's something where I'm going to extend what we do on the website and make it more accessible to people via 
podcasts and hopefully some people will find it interesting and if they do maybe they'll tell others who knows so i'm going to look at what is a man today now the first thing i want to add here is that these are my opinions they are my opinions based upon walking this earth for 62 years and having raised sons and having grandchildren i've worked my entire working life i was born in 1960 so i was raised in the 60s and 70s to some people listening to this i'm a dinosaur to others that may just resonate with them but these i must stress are my opinions and they're based on my experiences of life and the world as i've come to know it so just before we get started on that I, as this is the first podcast for 22plusy.com i'm going to take a moment just to explain the name of the website and also this podcast 22plusy we all have 46 chromosomes every cell of our body has 46 chromosomes in them now we get these chromosomes from our parents 23 chromosomes come from our mother and 23 chromosomes come from our father this is just the way it goes we have the same number of chromosomes ironically as a potato and a chimpanzee but different species have different numbers of chromosomes so for example uh, a dog has uh, 78 chromosomes 39 from each parent we have 46 23 from each parent our 23rd chromosome if we're female comes from our mother and that chromosome looks a bit like an x shape and so it's called an x chromosome so if you are biologically female you have 46 chromosomes but in the 23rd position in both pairs will be an x that will be the dominant chromosome if you're a male you would have got your y chromosome your 23rd chromosome from your father so the name of the the podcast and of the blog is 22 plus the y chromosome you got from your father so 22 plus y dot com So before I go into what I consider, with my life experience, characteristics that make a man, I just want to go through some characteristics and traits that I think people have, but they don't define somebody as a man. So this might be a little bit challenging to some, but again, they're my opinions based upon 62 years of life. I've, I've worked in 43 different countries around the world. This is my take on the characteristics and traits that make a man so first of all i want to eliminate some that i think people may believe are manly but i believe are not so the first of these is uncontrolled aggression somebody who lashes out as the first reaction to anything is to lash out so this can be uncontrolled violence it can also be uh, uncontrolled anger somebody who immediately starts ranting and raving without a thought they may be male they may consider themselves a man they may be a man but that characteristic of uncontrolled aggression fighting just for the sake of it uncontrolled outbursts of anger 
and impatience, these are not, I believe, characteristics that define a man. Likewise, someone who's disrespectful. If somebody fails to acknowledge that other people have views, other people have feelings, other people have life experiences that are different to theirs, they may be generational, they may be societal. If somebody's not prepared to make allowances for those or not prepared to recognise that somebody else has a right to the way they are and they just roughshod over them, don't care, show no indication of caring about the other person's feelings or background, they're plain disrespectful. This could be my pet hate at the moment is somebody parking outside the local Tesco Express. There are parking bays opposite the, the store. They're about five paces more than parking on the double yellow lines outside the store. But people will park on those double yellow lines irrespective of other people that are in parking bays that then have to try and manoeuvre to get out or have to manoeuvre to get in because they're trying to use one of the parking bays. Those people are disrespectful. They don't care about other people's feelings. They haven't even given it a thought. Totally thoughtless about other people. That's disrespectful. Now, you might be a man who's driving around in a BMW and very expensive clothes and very expensive perfume to cover up your BO. I don't care. You might call yourself a man. I don't care. That trait is not manly. It doesn't show any indication of manliness whatsoever. It's just plain bloody rude and disrespectful. The next would be unemotional. Men are known for hiding their emotions. I have hidden my emotions for decades. At the expense of my own mental health, and I believe at the expense of, to some degree, my, my last marriage. I wasn't able to communicate how I was feeling. I didn't feel I should communicate how I was feeling. And I should have. And it's not manly to hide these. It's not manly to suppress our emotions. A lot of men do, but I wouldn't say it really was a characteristic worthy of defining a man. So somebody who just suppresses their emotions, hides their emotions, yes, they may be a man, but that isn't a defining characteristic that I think is a positive characteristic of being manly. The next thing to look at are some of the stereotypes, if you like. Is it manly to be six foot two? No. It's a condition of evolution of your chromosomes. You can be perfectly manly and be four foot nine. You don't have to be six foot two to be a man. Some people seem to think that a man has to be over six foot tall. Well, it's absolute nonsense. Absolute nonsense if you think about it. But that's what some people believe. I don't believe being six foot two is an indication of manliness, particularly when there are plenty of women that are in their six feet as well. Um, so it's not an indication of manliness and people need to stop this and get it out of their system. Likewise, going to the gym and lifting weights. I have no problem with that. People want to go and lift, to go to the gym. They want to lift weights. They want to build themselves up. They want to be healthy uh, as they see it. It's great. Absolutely great. But it's no more manly to build yourself up and be big and bulky and everything else than it is to be a librarian who is not big and manly. For example, no respect, no disrespect to librarians. I'm just trying to pick out a rather weak stereotype in my mind. I shouldn't have done that. But anyway, I think you get the picture. Somebody who builds themselves up, that's great. 
that's absolutely great and i'm pleased for them i have now started going to the gym but that's more to try and get rid of some of my weight but it's not an indication of manliness masculinity isn't defined by being big and bulky and super strong yes there are characteristics um, of males which tend to make us larger than females but over the top of that and building over the top of that is not an indication of masculinity or manliness neither is buying a big car it sounds ridiculous people say it's a it's a covering up for other inadequacies i don't i don't think that's the case necessarily covering up i think it's misunderstanding what it takes to be a man for some reason people seem to think that being a big spender expensive watches big shiny cars fancy clothes are manly they're not they may have some inherent sex appeal to some women who haven't really thought things through they're just swayed by glossy a bit like magpies but it's not it's not a requirement to have a big car it's not a requirement to be a big spender to be a man or be manly it just isn't um, so I think that's a, a mistake nothing wrong with doing it if that's what you want to do you want to spend your money like that it's up to you it's your life you do what you want but don't be mistaken for thinking that it's manly and needed required in your life to impress people who probably don't mean very much to you anyway to spend loads of money on yourself it just seems crazy now the other thing is this is something i don't enjoy for myself a lot of people do somebody who's uh, very keen on gaming or on sports or things like mma if you enjoy mma great if you enjoy sports great if you enjoy playing video games and shoot em ups basically making one pixel go red from clicking on the button where you're another pixel all you're doing is is make believe changing the color of pixels on a screen i don't consider it manly i actually consider it quite immature but that's my opinion i don't play the games they don't interest me but that doesn't make them bad but i don't think that it's required to be keen on sports, to be a football fan, to follow boxing or MMA or any of these other sports just to prove that you're a man. It's perfectly acceptable, I think, to not be interested in these things and still be a man. They don't define somebody as a man, in my view. Moving on, I suppose, a man shouldn't be a millstone about around the neck of their partner or their family and their loved ones a man should be able to look after himself it's not manly to expect your partner to do everything for you it just isn't and maybe in some cases to even pay for you it's not manly at all to think well i can say you know oh, i want this i need this i need you to do that i need you to do this da 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 as if being the dominant person in a relationship it may work for you and your partner or the other people around you but it's not a characteristic that defines somebody as a man in my view and neither is chauvinism i grew up in the 60s and 70s as i said earlier 
And there's no place for chauvinism in the modern world at all. It used to be the thing when I was growing up, we'd all make jokes about women not being able to read maps or having maps upside down or unable to park. Just a whole bunch of things. And it's just nonsense. It's outdated nonsense. Women are perfectly capable of doing, I would say, anything that a man can do. And likewise, a, a man could do anything that a woman can do in most areas. There are going to be some areas for, for the majority of men that can't do something that a woman does. And the majority of things that men do that maybe women can't. It's, it's just the way, it's just the nature of the world. And if guys are together and it's just guys and there's a bit of banter going on about you know the differences between different sexes, I don't see a problem with that. I think that's perfectly healthy in terms of bonding, provided it's not aimed at any one particular and it's not vicious or vindictive and it's not outside of the bounds of you know a group. So if women are making jokes about you know characteristics of guys that's fine if it's just the women making the jokes about characteristics of guys and it's and it's bonding the women no problem at all likewise if guys are doing it if men are making these sort of stereotypical jokes i don't believe there's really any harm in it provided it's within context and it's used for something like male bonding because in the case of men it's quite difficult for guys to open up and and have a connection with another guy because they're afraid of how that one may come across but they can make those connections through humor but it's not chauvinistic if it's in that context if it's out and out chauvinism there's no place for it and if somebody is chauvinistic and they're trying to prove how good they are and how manly they are through some of the things they do or say they're wrong it simply isn't chauvinism is not an indication of manliness it just isn't likewise players i have no time for players none whatsoever uh, i've been a salesman for the last 30 years and my role as a salesman as it is with all salesmen is one of manipulation and persuasion our job is to persuade somebody to part with something they have in order to obtain something that i have generally that's money i my job as a salesman is to get someone to spend their money on my product or my service rather than somebody else's. It has nothing to do with being a man. Persuasion and manipulation are traits that uh, we acquire. We learn, we acquire, we use to do our job. It shouldn't be used outside of those roles. So if somebody's being a player and they're deliberately misrepresenting things or manipulating people for their own benefit other than you know in the professional context of being a salesman or maybe a politician they're being a player and and there's no room for that at all sincerity is everything and if you're insincere um, but you show that you managed to get one over somebody by being deceitful and you're being a player it's not an indicator of being a man not in my view not at all and likewise, I think sort of goes hand in hand with that trait is one of selfishness. If everything you do is geared around you and your gain, that selfishness, that level of selfishness, 
it may show results. You may show that you, you have an, gained an advantage temporarily over somebody or over someone, something, but not an indication of manliness. And I think the next really is maybe a little bit controversial, but the ability to hold down a job. If somebody can't hold down a job, and I've seen this many times where people start a job and within a matter of weeks they're trying to tell the, their new employer that they're doing it wrong, um, they, that they know better than their employer who's probably been doing it for years, and because of this they they move on to another job, they leave the company, go to another job, and then they do the same thing at their next job, and then they do the same thing again. They simply can't hold down a job, but their argument, which they'll put across with, well, they were doing it like this and they were wrong and so I told them, I bloody told them, I'm, you know, they're wrong and I'm right. And so because they wouldn't listen to me, I told them to stuff their job and I've gone somewhere else. Sounds manly, right? No, it doesn't sound manly at all. It sounds very, very immature. So somebody that can't, can't hold down a job like that, they can't turn up on time regularly or they can't do what they're asked or they're constantly saying, you're doing it wrong and I told them and I'm this and I'm that and they're trying to big, big it up in front of their mates that's not manliness at all that's immaturity pure and simple so that's what I think characteristics and traits that do not define manliness so the next thing to do is let's have a look at what I believe a man is So I'll, I'll preface this section with, with a little caveat because the role of a man and the characteristics of a man adapt. Uh, for the third time, I'll say I grew up in the 60s and 70s and that's not an excuse. I couldn't help it. <laughs> that's when I was born. But I learned lessons of, of growing up, of adulthood, from my time and the situations I was in, the people around me, parents my friends my teachers and even my colleagues when I first started out on my apprenticeship you know I would learn from them though it was a man in manly environment it was a male dominated environment I became a motor mechanic there wasn't a single person on the shop floor that was female everybody was a male everybody was a man and so I learned from the men around me as many men would do but I accept that the roles of men change over time. And so people today have to work in different environments and live in different environments than I did. I didn't have a uh, cash point card until I was in my 20s because they didn't exist. Uh, I was paid weekly with a brown envelope with cash in it. Um, that's how everybody was paid. You know, we we would line up at the at the uh, works control window on a Friday just before we would go to the pub at lunchtime, and walk along. Everyone was given their pay packet. You know, even the foreman, who was probably in his now, I'd probably say he was probably in his late forties, but even he, with all his experience and earning his money, he lined up with us and he got his 
brown envelope with his cash in it. We didn't have cash point machines. It didn't exist. And from then, it's gone on to credit cards, um, all sorts of prepayment cards. And now I rarely carry cash with me and I don't even carry credit cards with me anymore. Everything's on my phone. I pay for pretty much everything with my phone. Uh, if I can't pay for it with my phone, I don't buy it because I don't have the cash on me. It's very, very rare that I can actually pay for something with cash. There's a couple of burger shops in, in my local town. Uh, one takes cash, one doesn't. So guess which one I go to? The one that takes card. I can just whack my iPhone down and pay for my burger. So life has changed. My first computer was in 1982. It was a Sinclair ZX81 with one kilobyte of memory. Uh, and I, I paid £29 for it, for it from the co-op. I remember quite clearly and had a, a tape drive for saving my programs, uh, which was great until the dog unplugged and you know, knocked the plug out of the extension with his tail and I was halfway through saving. So, you know, life changes and people today live a different life. But there are still characteristics that make a man, that can define a man over somebody that is not, in my view to be considered a man so in the first instance I'll look at some general terms and then maybe look at some of the more traditional characteristics so the first thing which I think is ageless is honesty and truthfulness I've always been told to be truthful I'm a salesman I've said it before but I, I can honestly say I've never lied not knowingly to a client I'm quite a successful salesman I've done some rather large deals in the past but I've never knowingly lied, and I've always tried to be honest. And I do that in my private life as well. It's cost me. It's cost me people that didn't like to hear what I was saying. But I still believe that being honest and truthful is a value that is a requirement for someone to be a man. Now, that does not to say that women shouldn't be honest and truthful. They should, in my view. Everybody should be. But if you want to be considered a man... I think you have to be honest. You have to be honest. You have to be truthful. I also am prepared to accept responsibility for my mistakes. And I've made many. And I will make more. It's just life. But I will be the first person to say, I screwed that up. That was my mistake. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, yeah, that happened because I did this. And I, I don't know what I was thinking, but I did that. And it's my fault. A man has to be able to accept responsibility for his actions, no matter what. It's just as simple as that. There's, there's no ifs and buts. You screw up, you put your hand up, you admit it. That is a requirement, in my view, of a man. If you're unable to do that, I think you've lost the plot. If you can't do it, then I think you need to reevaluate and look at it and think, well, maybe I should be. I know people that are habitual liars, men and women. And I can always catch them out. I can always catch them out. The thing is, and I think it's Mark Twain who's credited with it, but it probably isn't, isn't him, but I'll go with Mark Twain for now. Who said that if you never tell a lie, you never have to remember what you said. It's that simple. If you never, ever make something up and tell a lie, then when you recall it at some point, some point later in life, 
you're either going to recall it as it was, or you're going to say, I can't remember. Which, you know, may be true, or should be the truth. If you can't remember it, you can't remember it. It's simple as that. But if you try to remember the lie that you told to cover something up, chances are you're going to get it wrong. And it's a hell of a burden to try and remember every single lie you've ever told to every person you've ever met. So the simple thing is, don't do it. Just don't lie. Even over simple things. You know, it's just not worth the stress and strain of trying to remember what you said, when and to whom. Because if you tell the truth, you'll never have to remember it. You just All you have to do is remember what happened. And if you can't genuinely remember what happened, you can say, oh, I, I, I'd forgotten about that, actually. And, and if I did say that, then I'm sorry, you know. But put your hand up to it and always be truthful. Especially if you're a salesman, okay? Um, people assume salesmen are liars. It's just one of those things. It's a bit of a bugbear of mine. But the truth is, if you're honest... You never have to remember a lie. It's as simple as that. And I've told people this, and I know people that still lie despite that, and I can catch them out pretty much every time. It's not difficult at all. Particularly if you're like me, a little bit autistic, and you can remember things that people have said that they long ago forgot. And I can remember conversations that are almost word for word with some people. And they still wouldn't remember what they said because they lied. That's that. Honest, be responsible, take responsibility for your actions. They're, they're, they're characteristics that I think define a man. Again, definition of a man, if you like, in my view, characteristics that are required. You've got to be reliable, you've got to be dependable. If you say you're going to do something, do it. If you say you're going to turn up, turn up. Let people know the people that you want to be able to do this with, the people, your, your family, your friends, your loved ones, whatever, if they mean something to you, be dependable. Let them know that they can rely on you. I have some friends. I grew up in another town to where I live now, and I moved away over 30 years ago for work. I've got friends there that I haven't seen in years, but I know if I called them and said, look, John, I've got a problem, mate. This has happened, or this is happening, and I, I'm screwed. I don't know. I, you know, I don't know what to do. I need some help. Can you come and help me? I know that those particular people will turn up. I can depend 100% on them. I know I can rely on them to be here, and if they, if they say they're going to be here tomorrow, they will be here tomorrow. No doubt, no question. And that, to me, is something which, again, it's not unique to men. But I think if you can't do this, uh, and you can't be seen to be reliable and dependable and supportive of your friends and your family, then I don't think it qualifies as man as manly, or you qualify as manly. I think it's a requirement for all men that they can be reliable and be dependable and be supportive. And in, a, in a similar vein, in terms of being supportive... I think consideration, you need to be considerate. It's very easy, as I said, in what is not a man, is to just explode, just to have an, an outburst. I think if you're a man, you take a little bit of time to listen to what's been said to you, look at what's been shown to you, 
and consider the other person's position when they did that or what led to it. Consider the fact that everybody has a different upbringing, different background. We all got to life today, where we are now, right this moment when you're listening to this podcast. We got here by a different route to the person next to you. We all have different life experiences. We all have different emotions. We all have different different upbringings, different beliefs. And I think it's important that any any man bears that in mind and is considerate of the fact that other people have got to their destination right now, right here, by a different route to themselves. And if you can do that, I think that's a, a really strong indication of someone that has matured from being a boy to becoming a man. If you can't do that, I'm afraid it's a cross in the box as far as I'm concerned. I mentioned supportive and being dependable, etc. Et I'm going to give us a bit of an example. One of my sons was looking at a job that he fancied doing. And it wasn't something that you would immediately associate him with. Perfectly good job. And his mother at the time said, oh no, he can't do that. He won't be able to do that. He can't do that. But I spoke to him and I said to him, you know, something you really want to do. And he said, yeah, I'd like to have a go at it. I really would like to have a go at it. And now I know that he had some shortcomings when it came to being able to do the job. So I said, right, well, let's let's crack on. So we actually went through some things, which I knew were areas that he was worried about. And we spent a bit of time in it and I supported him and I drove him to the interview and he had the interview. It was supposed to take an hour. I sat in the car park for over four hours while he had this interview. Turns out it was more than an interview. It was actually a trial. And he came out and he said, I've got the job. And the next day he started work, went for his, his formal training and everything. And next thing I know, he's doing this job full time. And I'm sitting outside in the car park at five o'clock in the morning waiting to pick him up from work. But it's been supportive. He genuinely wanted to try this job, and he did a good job. Um, he wanted to try it, and my job as a dad, which is part of being a man in my view, if you're if you're a dad, you need to be a man. And so as a dad, I had to be a man and be supportive of my son, not just saying, no, you can't do that, you won't be able to do that, there's no point trying, that's just crazy. I think you need to be supportive of people. You need to understand that people may have dreams, they may want to do something, and with a little bit of help, it's achievable. So being supportive. And I guess the next thing that falls in line without having mentioned being a family man is that a man will always put his family first. Always. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If your family needs something, you put them first. That doesn't mean to say you don't consider yourself. And at times, you need to put yourself first. But if your family needs something at a particular time and place, you put them first. Simple as that. If there's a threat, you put yourself between your family and the threat. You, you stand in front of your family and face the threat. Now, that threat may be disconnecting the, the Wi-Fi. You, know, you might be not paid the bills and you're getting your phone line disconnected. It may be there's a physical threat to your family. Whatever the threat is, you stand between the threat and your family, always. You find time for yourself when those threats don't exist. But if there's a threat there, you always, always, always 
put yourself between the threat and your family. That is a requirement for a man, in my view. If you can do that, massive tick in the man box. Some of the other traits I've, I've got in mind are more to do with the traditional mindset, but I think some of them still apply. So let's have a look at a few of those. A man will often be reading the room. Now, what I mean by this is if you go to a party or you go to a pub, you'll often see that the men are, they've got their backs to the wall. They don't have much behind them. And they probably know where the exits are subconsciously they haven't deliberately gone oh, right, I need that. that's a big exit there that's an exit there I can get out that window if something goes wrong that bloke's a threat da 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 they haven't done that but what they have is subconsciously read the room and ensured that they know how to get them, them and their family somewhere safe if they need to it sounds dramatic but I think you'll find if you look and actually pay attention that's what most men will do now i go to um, a man's club every week and i always tend to sit in the same chair and somebody said to me last week uh, this last monday you always sit in the same seat and and i said yeah and it, it's tactical and he said what do you mean i said well from here there's nobody sitting behind me because i was against the wall I said and i can see both doors and he laughed because he didn't realize but he'd done the same thing the place where he was sitting was against the wall and from where he was he could see both doors and I think it's just one of those things that we inherently do and I still think it applies to younger people today but it's certainly something that applies to people of my generation the last of the boomers the first of the uh, the gen x's if you like so we tend to have that characteristic um, but I still think it's it's applicable to younger people today because I think it's an inherent trait of of a man we're quite often happy alone. That's another trait. It's not necessarily a positive trait, but we're not phased if we don't have hordes of people around us. We don't necessarily need to have loads of chatter going on around us. We're quite happy in our own little world, often just watching the world go by and learning from it. You know, it's the same old thing of reading the room. We watch the world and, and we read the room when we're out and about as well. We're quite content doing that, actually. If somebody just leaves us to it, we're quite happy just being a bit of a watchdog. It's not nosiness, it's just we're constantly reading the room and we're quite happy to do that. don't need to be talking to us, we're just quite happy. And I think that's a, a trait of a man, which is in some ways a positive thing because it's linked to the inherent need to be prepared. In terms of traditional men, certainly people from my generation... We all have a, have a go at being Larry every now and then. I, when my, one of my sons used to play football, I'd be shouting from the sidelines. I'm not a particularly fo um, strong football fan, but I'd get caught up in the emotion with everybody else and I'd be loud, just like everyone else. But for the most part, we're quiet. For the most part, we're quite happy in our own world. We don't have to have the limelight. We don't have to be the one that's always talking. We don't have to be the one that's always being heard. We're generally quiet. And I think if you're not, it's it's not an indication of manliness to be loud. Not at all. But I don't think it's anything bad if you're quiet. Provided you're not rude with it. I think it's, a, again, an inherent trait of men. I mean, it might go back even to 
um, you know, being hunters and, and having to stay quiet and observe what's going on. It might be a, you know, an evolutionary trait, but for the main part, we're quiet and it's not necessarily a bad thing. Chivalry. Um, I mentioned chauvinism earlier in what does not define a man, chauvinistic behavior, but chivalry, I think does. And certainly from the traditional, more traditional man, if, if I'm going through a doorway and I've got somebody following me through the doorway, I may prob quite probably actually not go through the doorway, but hold the door open, open the door and hold it open for them to go through and then follow through myself. It's just how I was brought up. But I think if you can be observant enough to realise that there's somebody just a few steps behind you that's going to go through the door and you can hold the door open for them, that's chivalry it's not chauvinistic because I would do that for another man I would do it for an old man I'd do it for a child I'd do it for a lady I'd do it for a guy it's just chivalrous and I think if somebody who shows an understanding of chivalry I think that's a good strong indicator of a man I will normally walk between somebody and the road so if we're walking on a, on a footpath I would normally position myself by the curb it's just something I learnt from my dad observation it's not something that anyone particularly told me but if you look you'll often see more often than not that the guy has instinctively put himself between the road and the person he's with unless it's two guys obviously walking along then uh, you know it's just whoever just happens to be standing near the road but very often if it's a, a a man and a child or children or a man and a woman and children or whatever the man will normally put himself between the road and the family it's the same old thing of standing up or standing in front of your family when there's a threat now i know some of the history goes back to you know the times when when men were chewing tobacco and stuff and they could spit in the curb but i think there's more to it than that i really do and i think it's just an instinctive thing and if you see people that don't do that if you see men that just don't they typically have some of the other traits that i mentioned in my what doesn't define a man list you'll also find they're the sort of people that are don't give a toss about others and they just and they'll just walk along the path i think it's inconsiderate but i'm a bit of a dinosaur but i still think if you look at it and watch it and you see somebody who actually gives you that feeling that they're they are a man there's something manly about them they will also be the same sort of person that you'll see will walk along between other people in the road and put themselves at the curb. I think something else is that at some point all men have dreamt of being a hero, even if as a child. But at some point they've all thought, yeah, I could, I could, I could save these people, I could do this. Um, you know, I'm not saying they could all think they could land an aeroplane, but I think we've all dreamt at some point of being the hero in a situation. And I, I still think that it's something which adults do. I know it happens in my dreams occasionally. I tend to be the person that's resolving issues. So I think it's something that if, if we look at it, most, I think all men actually have dreamt at some point of being a hero. Doesn't mean to say it happens. They don't always have the opportunity to be a hero or the necessity to be a hero. But I think we've all dreamt of it. Uh, the next is... Um, maybe a bit contentious for the modern man but certainly from my generation is we need to be 
utilitarian. We need to have some inherent skills that, or acquired skills that are expected of us in society. So I'll give an example. This is an, another son. I have four sons. <laughs> Fortunately, it helps with, um, with analogies. But one of my sons, when he first met up with his partner and they got a house together, they had to have some shelves put up in, you know, in the pantry and in the downstairs loo and places like this. They needed some shelves. Now, that son is a very creative son. He's, he's very, very bright. And he was involved in art and everything else. But he was also the same one who played football. But is not somebody I would associate with DIY. And in some cases, I would have imagined he was a danger to himself if he had a screwdriver in his hand. However, when they bought their house, there was a requirement for these shelves to go up. And the next thing I know... He's learnt how to do it himself. He was never interested in learning from me. Uh, he's learnt how to do it himself. And he's bought the tools and the materials and he's put shelves up. And he's so pleased that he's done it. Now, the thing is here, there was an expectation of himself and his fiancée that he would do it. It's not an unreasonable expectation. I think it's a perfectly genuine expectation that there's an expectation from both people, from everyone, that the man is going to have some utility, some capability, some utilitarian skills to do the things that men have always done. So there's not to say that women can't put up shelves. Of course they can put up shelves. You know, there's no reason why a woman can't put up a shelf. But there's an expectation, I believe, in a relationship, particularly a man and woman relationship, where the man is the one who will put the shelves up. Often the man is the one who will cut the grass. Often the man is the one who is you know, expected to carry the heavy things. There's some utilitarian characteristics that are required of men, I believe, and certainly expected of men, that are not expected of women. Now, that's not to say there aren't expectations for women, but I think the utilitarian expectations are of men. And in the same, in the same vein... I'm a very practical person. I was a mechanic. I've, I was a fence erector for a while. I, I now work in electronics. So I'm very adapt to working with my hands. So I know my tools. I know how to use all my tools. Um, and I think most men have an understanding of how to use their tools. And they know, you know which saw to use to cut wood. They won't use a hacksaw to cut wood if they've got a perfectly good handsaw. And likewise, I mean... Whether or not it's common, but for my generation, most men will know the difference between a Phillips screw and a posi-drive screw. Not all, but most men. It comes to this part of this utilitarian thing, uh, the same sort of characteristics. Likewise, most men would be willing to go out to somebody else's car, check their oil levels, their water levels, check the tyre pressures and tread depths and this sort of thing. Most men would be able to do that. It's a utilitarian characteristic and an expectation that most men can do this. Certainly the traditional male. Again, there's nothing to say that a woman can't do this. And in fact, some of these things are part of the driving test. So everybody has to be able to do it. They have to be able to say where their brake fluid is and um, how they would top up their radiator or, or, or the like. But there's an expectation of men to be able to do that and to be willing to do this for other people so for example my 
my stepfather wouldn't say to my mother, oh, can you go out and check the, the oil on the car? Or go and, go and check the tyre pressures? He just wouldn't do it. But my mother would say it to him, oh, any chance you could check the tyre pressures for me today? And he would do it because it's, there's an, exp an underlying expectation of this capability within men to be able to do things like this. And I think one of the big differences between men and not expectations but characteristics of men that separate men from well certainly from women but also from slackers for want of a better word the, the not men people in the world is that men will always be looking at the world as, a, as an opportunity their responsibility is to provide they'll always be looking at the world as, as opportunities whether it's providing for family, providing for themselves, uh, providing shelter, providing income for food or whatever, the man will be looking at a way to provide. They will always look at the world as a series of opportunities. Women, on the other hand, will be looking at the world as a form of security. They will be looking for security for not necessarily themselves, but certainly their family. So women will be looking for what they need to do now in order to attain that security a man will be looking what he needs to be doing to be able to deliver that security and i think if you're somebody who's looking at the world as as a way of opportunities maybe of you know retraining and going to a better job so you can earn more money or you can have more time at home for the family or whatever your priority is if you're somebody that's constantly looking at those things i think that's a manly trait because again you're putting your family first and you're looking to, to see what you can do for your family to give them the best opportunities. So it's not really a rant, it's just sort of looking at some of the things that I believe make a man as opposed to things that people may believe make a man, but actually they don't. So that's it for today. This podcast is going to be going on to the 22plusy.com website so you'll be able to see it there or download it there and share it from there and there'll be many many more to come thanks for listening my name's stephen hooper and you've been listening to a podcast by 22 plus have a great day bye